Steve, how's it going this Monday? That's uh, we lie again. It's a Friday. Just to be <laughs> fully honest. Yeah, Friday, the Friday Monday minute. Headed out. Uh, been doing this yearly steelhead fishing trip with my brother uh, and a good friend named Jack. Uh, been, gosh, I was talking to my wife last night about it. She was in grad school when we started it, so um, wow. it's been a while. Yeah, that's fun, at least. And you know how long has that been? Yeah. 10 12 years ago so it's fun I, i've missed it um two out of the last four years just uh just with kids you know last year uh my son was only a few months old at that point and wasn't able to go and then uh i can't remember the year prior to that something yeah i can't remember what it was but um so you're yeah, probably like coming back from kodiak too about oh, the that, same time yeah kodiak was part of that that's for sure yep um so, uh, yeah, anyways, heading out, we just float, uh, float a river and basically just, uh, drink coffee in the morning, whiskey in the afternoon and float in a boat. We all have our own little rafts and float down a river for four days and not see another human and hopefully catch steelhead. The steelhead numbers are actually a little bit better this year than last, but, uh, yeah, it's just fun. It's a really, really fun trip. Take my dog with me. She'll, yeah. uh, hang out and run around go crazy. So bark at nice. the fish. <laughs> i uh speaking of kodiak i called lenny this week not realizing he was still in kodiak and he answered and i was like hey man what's up and he's like oh i'm just in kodiak <laughs> and i'm thinking why are you answering your cell phone yeah. um but he was saying that i don't know how much you've talked to him and i, I want to talk yeah. to him more after the trip but uh he was saying it was tough hunting and the guys that they were hunting with said they had like a i think he i think lenny said a 40 to 50 percent winter kill last year oh, on wow. the deer population um so that's i don't know if that was just on that part of the island or what have you because they were in a different area than we were um, yeah on our trip huh. last year but apparently at least on that part of the island they had a pretty tough winter last year and deer, deer numbers were down this year so we'll have to talk to Lenny yeah, even if you cut out 50 percent of the deer though that's still a lot of deer yeah uh, yeah huh interesting Yep. All right, man. Well, to answer some listener questions, uh, hit a timely one first about EXO, but from a listener with a question about sales, which if you're new to the podcast and or to EXO Mountain Gear, we just generally don't do sales um, with one exception. And that's typically around Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's on Black Friday. I think last year we actually did it a few days prior to Thanksgiving, but this guy wrote in and said, I got a K2 pack during your Thanksgiving sale last year and absolutely love it. I'm just curious if you could share in your podcast if you're going to have anything on sale this year around Thanksgiving. I would love to get a K3 hip belt for my K2 frame and also a blaze orange lid. Also, is there a K4 in the works? Uh, so yeah, a few questions there. One is, uh, we will have a sale. It does look like it's going to be on Black Friday. Uh, specifically and just for 24 hours essentially uh, can't give you all the details but essentially if you're looking at anything from exo mountain gear it will be on sale uh, and the best way to make sure you don't miss it is just make sure you're receiving our emails um, so that's just just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash newsletter if you haven't signed up we'll put a link in the show description as well um, and we'll be sure to both before the sale starts as well as when the sale starts send out some emails and all that so yes things are coming in terms of a sale uh steve hit on that second question on a k4 in the works for guys who might be curious oh yeah um there's 
I can say with a fact, there's nothing coming in 2021. Um, working, I've been, I have not hunted with a K3 frame actually <laughs> since we developed it. Since uh, it's been released, I yeah, think. Yes, since it's been released. Yeah, I've been, I mean, immediately once we were done, uh, once I was done designing that was in production, I was um, on to the next ideas. You know, you just got to be a couple of years in front of uh, stuff. And I'm still continuing to tweak and test and, and work on it. Um, in fact, I was just, out, yeah, I've been hiking almost every other day right now. Uh, typically on my way home from work and just uh, playing with different things and concepts and things like that. So definitely nothing for 2021 though. And if, if uh, everything went smooth and I got designed on this year, when we prototyped for a full year with kind of our pro staff guys and everything was smooth there, then maybe you'd see something in 2022, but we're really not holding to any timeline. It's just more like when the product is ready, when I feel like something is designed that is, superior to basically the k3 um then then we start looking at okay we've got this product is is there a good time in the future to release it you know does it does it make sense to do it you know uh in january or midsummer or whatever so yeah uh, yeah but that's you know that's frankly the the fun part of the job for me is designing and working on concepts and ideas and just trying different things out you know just it's kind of like um just salt trying to solve problems and um make everybody's hunting experience uh, better, frankly, with a pack that rides more comfortably and carries weight better. Yeah, the reason, I was glad he kind of mentioned that in his question and his email, but the reason I wanted to hit it is for guys who are curious, like, oh, well, maybe a K3 pack system's on sale on Black Friday because they're coming out with a new one, you know, around the corner. And that's just not the case. So if you guys are curious about that, as you heard, like essentially Black Friday price is going to be the best price you can get all year period um so yeah if you're in the market it'd be a good time to buy for sure all right another uh i kind of just had to like chuckle at this question it's a, a worthwhile question for guys who probably listen to the podcast but this guy wrote in and said i know you and steve buy different types of gear to test and may purchase several items that are all essentially the same but to test different brands models etc and see which one is better what do you guys do with all of the rejected items? Do you guys sell them? And do you have anything? Do you have a list of items you want to get rid of currently? So I think <laughs> this guy was like trying to hit us up for some deals, which is honestly a good idea. So kudos to that yeah. guy. But uh, what do you do, Steve, with gear? Uh, honestly, I just, oh, I mean, frankly, we're very spoiled. A lot, a lot of stuff we either get for free or get for a, a really good discount, you know, so it's a, uh, um, like if I reach out to a company and, you know, I, I don't typically ask for it, but if they catch the email and like, oh, hey, well, here's a 40% off coupon or something. Um, so, yeah, I usually get a pretty good deal on something and test it. And if it doesn't work, then uh, I give it away. If you're in my circle of friends, <laughs> there's a lot of people that have <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, my brother, who doesn't hunt at all, has like four pairs. He's the exact same 11 and a half shoes as I am. He's got some like really nice boots that just, uh, he wears like one day a year, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I typically give stuff away just, and then I've got a good stash that I let people like, uh, I've got two different friends right now, borrowing sleeping bags and pads and shelters. They're out yeah. on different hunts that, that don't have lightweight backpacking gear that were going on a hunt and yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Come over, borrow it. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's typically my routine. And then I usually like I've, you know, get a, a new bow every year uh, for the most part. And I always just give the other one to somebody who needs it. So um, last time I gave my Hoyt to a, just a good friend that got me into bow hunting and 
um yeah yeah it's the same for me i try to keep extras of pretty much everything on hand just because what you said like being able to loan that out um guys who are either just backpack hunting or even around here just backpacking um you know oh you need a tent and a sleeping pad this weekend no problem like here's one and i got three more sitting there type thing and it's it's honestly been really helpful so it's the same it's kind of the same as you said of like guys kind of know that and so i get hit up a fair amount for borrowing stuff which i'm all for um occasionally i'll get like truly get rid of stuff and usually about once a year i just get to that point where i'm like all right there's too much junk sitting around i need to get rid of something um and so sometimes that's giving stuff away um sometimes that's selling but but just super cheap and there's been a couple times i've put uh like the there's the exo user group on facebook which we don't run but it's just kind of like users and um guys like that where i've just put like some first light clothing on there for example just super cheap that i was no longer using so give guys like that a super solid deal but yeah it's um I told this guy, I was like, man, I don't have anything to sell now, but I'll keep you in mind in the future because I might here at the end of the year just go, all right, I got to like start fresh and clean out yeah. some stuff I'm not using. So it was <laughs> a funny question. Um, this one came up too. I thought was, you know, we've, I think we've touched on this in different ways at different times, but I don't know about addressing this very specific question. He said, how do you adjust your sleep system for different weather conditions? Um, the first thing that stands out to me on that question is I don't, I do adjust my shelter or choose a different shelter based on different weather conditions. But in terms of my sleep system being uh, for me, a catabatic quilt, uh, and obviously my sleeping pad, um, and then a pillow, uh, an inflatable pillow, none of that changes, um, based on different weather conditions. It could, I could be family camping with a, kid you know in the summer with the wife and kids and i could be on a late season hunt and i'm going to have that same quilt and sleeping pad or what have you and that's one of my things i really like about that quilt is because it's more open or can be you can kind of use it as little or as much as you want to um, so even in warmer weather i'll have it but just not be in it if you will um, and then i've literally been down into single digits with it so the only thing that changes maybe is not the gear that I'm taking, but how much clothing I'm sleeping in um, with that. And then obviously shelter can change. Um, that could be anything from, you know, bivy to a one man double wall tent to a late season shelter. So for me, shelter changes, sleeping system doesn't. Um, I think Steve, you're pretty much the same. I know you also add a liner maybe in some really cold weather with a quilt, but anything else that comes to mind there? Yeah, I haven't done the liner. I I, get, I used to do the liner when I was I had um my old uh, quilt was a twenty an inline equipment twenty and if it was going to be you know from below ten I would take a liner. Uh, I kind of changed that up two or three years ago to where I my base quilt is like a thirty degree and now I have a ten degree quilt. So I just own two quilts. Uh, so just depending on the hunt, uh, I'll pack one or the other. Um, frankly, like yeah, having that a 20 degree is probably like if you're going to own one, that's a, it's solid, you know, something right there in that rating where like you said, you just do what you're doing there. If, uh, in the summertime, you just use it as blanket and you don't get overly hot. And then if it's really cold and you know, 10 degrees or below, uh, then yeah, then you're just sleeping in your long johns and your pants and your puffy jacket. Uh, and you're going to be just fine inside of that. So, um, the, 
to his question to like dive into that further. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who do like, uh, especially around here who do like wolf hunting in, in January, February, where it can be really, really cold. Um, I think you need to jump up to something like an X-Therm sleeping pad from, from Thermarest that's going to have a really high R value. You know, I think you need to get up in that seven, eight uh, area of R value versus your standard kind of three to four. Um, some guys will pack an extra um, kind of super thin foam mat to put underneath their sleeping pad for more insulation. If they don't have, if they don't have like a, uh, just be a cheap way to get higher R value um, by just stacking that under your normal pad. Um, I guess that'd probably be the, the biggest one there is just making sure your pad is because that if you're sleeping on snow, you know, icy, crusty snow, uh, you really need to have good R value underneath you. Um, and then they yeah, have the bag, you just adjust to the temperatures and then, um, your shelter obviously comes, uh, has a large role to play there as well of, you know, um, the bivy sack for me adds a lot of warmth, but then if, if we're talking a lot of wind and rain and snow, then that setup isn't ideal because of the tarp and, you know, it's not getting great protection. So then I'm inside a tent, uh, you want, if it's really cold, frankly, uh, you want a small tent that your body heat can kind of warm up the space. Um, so there's, you know, something to do there. Tents with too much ventilation are going to be cold, you know, but that's a battle you're fighting with condensation. If you, if you have everything blocked off and air is not moving through. So something that's, uh, frankly, it's just trial and error for guys until you get that experience. You just kind of got to go out there and figure it out, see what mm-hmm. works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And as we, I feel like we harp on this a lot, but it's easy to hear it and not easy to do it is is what you just said steve is put yourself in those conditions ideally before you have to so if you know that you know maybe there's a late season hunt being planned for next year or just something you'll do in the future then use this winter even if it's not a hunt just to get out and do some cold weather camping and backpacking and figure that stuff out for you and not only for your personal preference, but test your gear. Like, is this going to work or not with what I have and what do I need to change? And um, it's better to find that out on the front end than figure it out when it's uh, too late and you can't just go back home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. We, I guess that podcast hasn't aired yet, but we just did one with some guys that went to Kodiak um, after yeah. listening to our podcast. And they they did that. They, they, they I don't know if it was they took our advice or did it on their own, but we always preach like, go out when at home and if, especially if you haven't done a backpack hunt like just pick a random night go hike a mile from the road and stay the night out there uh and they were doing that when a storm was coming like oh it's gonna be windy and rainy let's go let's go do this you know this is gonna suck but at least we're gonna see if our rain gear works or a tent works um so it's such i think just such great advice that uh, especially if you're doing something like they were doing like a this big hunt that's got such a time commitment and investment in it um and if you don't have that experience backpacking just to kind of go get those bugs worked out so you don't run into issues while you're out there i think that is uh worth its weight in freaking gold uh for you to go out there and just test that stuff when when you're at home in a relatively controlled environment you know uh, close to your house cool to wrap this one up let's hit a question that came through um that you'll be able to better speak to than me for certain steve which is probably the case on most of these but Dyneema versus Sil Nylon for shelters. Um, I'm like aware of some of the pros and cons as it comes to stretch and things like that, but I've just not used um, Dyneema fabrics for shelters much. And I know you have a bit. So as guys are looking at, you know, I, and I've seen this too shopping for myself, you take 
you know, Tarp Tent's a good example. You you can get a certain model from Tarp Tent that's in Dyneema or DCF or in Sil Nylon. It's the same tent. It's the same exact, you know, dimensions, what have you, but the specs and the price are going to be different. Obviously, the advanced fabric is going to be lighter, and that comes at most of the time a pretty significant cost. But hit some of the pros and cons, maybe things to think through just in general um, between those choices for shelters. Um, yeah, really, I've owned both, used both extensively. Um, uh, the it probably or it definitely really depends on the sh- the specific shelter and the design of it, which fabric is better suited for that design. It's not like you could just take any tent or any tarp and make it Dyneema and it's better, right? Um, the, the downside to Dyneema um, Cuban fiber is it's very stiff. Um, and so, as you said, it doesn't stretch. So pitching it, if, if it's a, let's say poorly designed shelter, but, to, but a shelter that needs like a perfectly flat spot to pitch, um, you know, those are obviously very hard to come by when you're out there in the mountains. And one thing that I've experienced, um, is it's just hard to get all the walls tight, um, it, with a Dyneema shelter, just that, it's, um, again, you just can't like stretch sag out of the wall. Cause it just, if you start pulling on one thing, then another area starts sagging because there's nowhere else for it to go. Um, so that's a downside. So it's kind of like less forgiving in terms of, yeah, as you said, pitch and site selection. Yeah, exactly. It's very, it's just less forgiving. So, and then a lot of that goes into the design of the shelter. Some shelters are just more forgiving than others on, on how they pitch. Right. So, um, like my tarp tent Eon Lee that I have, that's Cuban fiber. I'd say it's middle of the road. Um, it, it's, it has some decent adjustability to it, but I've definitely been in scenarios where it's like frustrating that I can't just get the thing perfectly pitched tight, you know, and it's not, you know, not that's a huge deal, but if you know, you're on an exposed Ridge, it's going to be windy that night, uh, rain's coming, you know, that's when you want that your tent pitched nice and tight. So, um, but yeah, honestly, it's, I, I would say for the vast majority of people, I would stick with a still nylon tent. Um, just that, you know, they're going to be marginally heavier, um, and, uh, you know, half the price. So yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a better, better way to go. I mean, the, um, Cuban fiber has the advantage of, if it does get, um, punctured tear, a tear in it, it's really easy just to tape. I mean, literally duct tape works. There's specific Cuban fiber tape, tenacious tape works great. It's like, it's like a full on lifetime patch when you clean that area up and stick it on there. Or if you get a big tear in your in your tent, you know your tent fabric uh, that's still nylon, uh, yeah, that's a little bit trickier to patch. You know, it's going to be harder to do while you're out there in the field, and you can get home. And uh, one thing that I've recommended a bunch is Aqua Seal. That stuff works fantastic for things like that. Yeah. But um, other than that, you know, I think it's coming along early. Cuban fiber that you can't just sew a Cuban fiber seam together; uh, it would just rip apart. So you have to use a combination of tape and sewing. I think that you know companies had some issues just kind of figuring that process out. Like what's the best way to do it. Uh, I think for the most part, they've got it dialed in now with the tape and then, and then sewing on top of it. Um, another benefit to Cuban is it's um, as long as it's not punctured, punctured being a sewing thread, uh, you know, a needle poking through it or anything like that. It is a hundred percent waterproof where still nylons all have, you know, just like Gore-Tex, it has a waterproof rating. It's not actually completely waterproof. Um, 
so that it, it you have that benefit to it but uh really it's kind of beyond like any good you know like i've big fan of Hilleberg's. I've never ever had a Hilleberg leak on me once, you know, and I've been in some extreme weather and those things. So mm-hmm. um, kind of a moot point there, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, it, it just depends on for me. I'm not necessarily like looking for, if I was in to look for a new shelter, I'm looking at designs uh, and what like the design that I want for that application of, you know, and then, um, and then if it happens to be Cuban fiber, if it happens to be sill nylon, I really don't care. Okay. Yeah. You wouldn't start shopping to look for just. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, what are the Cuban tents out there? Yeah. I mean, again, your weight savings minimal. It's double the price. uh, And it it may or may not be beneficial to you. It just, it really depends on the design. It's definitely one of those. I was going through this last year, um, considering new shelter options. And that's when I ended up picking up that Gossamer gear. called the one which i love but i was looking at all different types of things tarp tents and obviously seeing some of their options in both fabrics and all that and it it's it's one of those areas where it's easy just to get like you're just drawn to the coolest stuff right so yeah, it's like oh right. this material's newer and it's lighter and blah 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 and as you said like when you really look at the weight difference and especially if you want to do any sort of like price per ounce difference like it's it's pretty ridiculous really (laughs) in terms of the price difference and then um, the weight difference and that's not I've actually in when I was shopping in that process I talked to uh, a few of those companies directly and it's truly just the cost of materials and production like they're not just marking those things up because it's the newest coolest thing and they can and they want to make it a premium product like the materials and then you kind of hinted at steve like the production is totally different in terms of sewing as well um they truly just cost a lot and from what i've seen and been told they actually have less margins on those even though it's you know a much oh, higher cost shelter yeah no a thousand percent the cost of still nylon can be bought for you know two to five dollars a yard um cuban fibers Last time I looked at it is like twenty five to thirty dollars a yard. Uh, it's expensive stuff. So you talk about uh, even a one man kind of small tent is going to use somewhere between four and five six yards of fabric. Uh, um, so you're talking say five yards. It's probably a hundred dollars different just in hard costs between the two. So yeah, it's a pretty substantial cost difference there. Cool. Well, uh, that's a wrap for this one, guys. Appreciate the questions as always. Um, you can always reach us directly by email to podcast at xmontgear.com. Uh, again, with things coming up this time of year, if you want to make sure you don't miss that sale, just go to xomountaingear.com forward slash newsletter and sign up there. And we'll be sure to uh, let you guys know when things are kicking off there. And just appreciate the feedback and support as always. Keep tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.